Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. How are you doing? Let me just say, let's, can we just get some things out in the open right now? We're going to anyway, so you might as well agree, yes. <clears throat> Hasn't church felt weird since it's reopened? Can anybody say yes? It just, it really does. Uh, I was talking to someone the other day, and they said, it's, it's like going to a funeral. And I said, well, thank you. We try hard. <laughs> but said, no, you know, that you can't hang out in the foyer. They just sort of you know, bring you in and you go sit down and everyone's wearing masks and then you kind of leave out the side. And um, I said, so we have to think of ways to continue to make church exciting and enjoyable and want people to come. The last thing you want is to feel like, oh no, this is just a really awkward environment or awkward thing to do. And so if you have any good ideas, shoot them to our website uh, because we get some things planned in September when it's a little cooler outside. We may have some services out there and where you can bring your own um, lawn chair and we'll have some food trucks and other things. So we're kind of excited about that. But if you have any good ideas, please shoot them to us because uh, we want everybody to enjoy being together, even though it may be challenging. All right. <clears throat> We're continuing our series called Reset, and today's message is titled, Believing and Doing. We've called the series Reset because we're in the book of James. It's one of the earliest books written, and it's a, it's a book that is very, hits right at the heart, right at the core of Christian belief and behavior. And uh, so I thought we need during this time where things seem to be up in the air, a, a time to reset and sort of put things back together, sort of start over. And so today's message, he's going to be talking about uh, really looking at what you believe and what you say and what you do. Sometimes the two of those don't necessarily fit together, do they? Uh, sometimes we say one thing and we believe one thing, but yet our actions would betray us. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. But before we do that, let's, would you join me in this affirmation we love to say? This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I welcome all he has for me today. By his word, he guides me. By his spirit, he strengthens me. By his will, he's transforming me. I am his workmanship, his unique work of art, and may his will be done in me today, and I receive it, receive it by faith, stop, okay, ready, in Jesus' name, okay, a little drama, never hurt anything. Before we get into the text today, there's, I want to read you the, the text that's just before it, out of the message translation, because this will be basically our intro he says in James 2, verse 14, Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, 
When you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half starved and say, good morning, friend, be clothed in Christ, be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk off, not so much, uh, providing not so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? That's good, isn't it? You see, in our passage today, we're going to find out that James is going to juxtapose faith that claims to be alive, yet we find that it's dead because there's no vibrant, observable faith. You see, in contrast, what some would deem to be salvation by works, okay, James reveals is that works complete faith by providing its real and active life and content. Father, as we think about this passage this morning, we ask that you would give us wisdom to understand, Lord, and to follow and to know your will. We ask, Lord, that your spirit would be upon us so that we can take it in, we can understand it, and we can live by it. And we ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. You see, belief alone is lifeless. Belief alone is lifeless. It's not like belief by itself has any strength. Now, I know this because as a pastor, we love reading books. And maybe there's a lot of you here who like reading books and you like gathering knowledge and, and finding out more resources and things about the Bible and learning about the land and, and theology. And it's exciting. But the truth is, belief has to be connected to real life and doing. Because if it isn't, it's dead because it sets by itself. <clears throat> Look at verse 18 of chapter 2. But some will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is a God, good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Now, as a pastor, I have officiated a lot of funerals. And I'm sure many of you have been to quite a few funerals yourself. There's one thing that you have to note at a funeral. When you see the body, if the body is there, you know that it's lifeless and dead. In fact, some would even say when they, sometimes you have an open casket funeral, you would see the body there and the person will say that person is no longer there. That may be a body, but the person's not there. And so he's bringing this two together. It's like the spirit and the body, faith and doing, faith and being active. It's the same principle. You can have faith, but without the, the works, it's like a body without the spirit. The two need to be there for the dynamic. You see, faith without life, faith without action, faith with, or belief without action is lifeless. There's no sign of any motivating conviction. 
There's no vibrant new birth. There's no new spirit involved. There's no obedience to God's command. There's no work for the kingdom, work of the kingdom. (coughs) Excuse me. There's no sense that God is at work in that person's life, not bringing good news to others, showing compassion on behalf of their king, and no love and no life. Why? Because dead faith is intellectual only and not relational. Let me say that again. A dead faith, dead belief, is intellectual only and not relational. What I mean by that is this. If it's only intellectual, it could be correct. It could be right. But if that's all it is, it's dead. It has to be connected to real action in real time in order for it to be true abiding faith. He said in verse 19, you believe that there's one God. Good, even the demons believe that and shudder. Now, when he's talking about you believe in there's one God, it goes back because remember this is a very Jewish book in that James was Jewish and the earliest Christians were Jewish. And so he was writing to those who had a more, more than likely a Jewish background. <clears throat> it doesn't mean it's not for you if you're not Jewish, but it, that's just the progression of the faith. And he was reaching back when he said about, you know that there's one God to the Shema, which is very, very important for Israel. In fact, you find it in Deuteronomy chapter six. It's hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. See, dead faith is found in the mind only. James is saying that if you believe in God's existence, okay, that's not good enough. You believe that there's one God, good. Even the demons do that. You believe that there is a God, great, fine. But dead faith is not relational. Because think about it, demons, excuse me, would you say that they have a faith in God? No. Would you say that they believe in God? Yes. There would be folks who say, well, I have no belief in God. Okay, fine. But even the demons know. They believe in God's judgment. They believe that God exists. They believe that he's powerful. Okay, but does that make them believers? No. They believe that God will even judge the demons and they're aware of spiritual things. But dead faith, however, is avoid, devoid of real relationship with God. Listen to the second half of the Shema. It says, first, hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God, the Lord is one. Okay, that means there's no other gods. And then in verse five, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength, with all your soul and with all your strength, your heart, soul, and strength. So real belief is never separated from action. Real belief is never separated from relationship. Real belief is active. That's the point. You can say, well, we believe, okay. James says, no big deal. Because in the Shema, the two are connected. You believe that God is one, you have faith in him, but also now love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul, and with all your strength. You see, that the two are active, and it's motivated to action. Paul relates to this in Galatians chapter 5 when he says this, For in faith Christ, neither circumcised or uncircumcised, has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. He says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. See, it has to be movable. It has to be active. Belief, okay, true belief is alive and active. All right, look at verse 21, speaking of Abraham. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Not that the two are separate. They should not be separate. They should always be together, okay? Now, look at verse 25. And in the same way, was not Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As body and the spirit, excuse me, as the body without the spirit is dead, so is faith without deeds is dead. Okay, we've read a lot there. Let's unpack that for a minute. He brings up Abraham, one of the most famous people in world history, really. One of the most influential people that God used. Abraham was a pagan from Haran. God called him to another land to bring him into that land so that he was what he was going to do. He said, I'm going to build you into a great nation. Problem was that he and his wife didn't have any kids. In fact, they needed a fertility clinic. But none was available except for God. But they believed and trusted in him. And finally, he gave him a son by the name of Isaac. And And God told him, he said, I want you to take that son and go up to sacrifice on the mountain. And so they head up on the mountain, and what happens? He says, look, I want you to sacrifice your son. Now, that sounds crazy, doesn't it? You think, what God are we serving here? But who knows what kind of pagan background that Abraham had come from, right? Maybe from where he came from, this was a right practice, I don't know. That is pure speculation. But I know this is that he had the kind of faith that would say yes to doing something like that. The promised son that God gave him that eventually would become a great family and a great nation. That was God's promise to him. And so he sets out to do it and God says stop and he provides a sacrifice caught in a bush. You see, He's pointing out, he says, listen, Abraham could have said he believed God, but never took his son up on the mountain. Now, I'm not telling you to do anything like that. And if you are making plans like that, please talk to one of us afterwards. I will not advise it. 
But that was his story. That he took action on what God had said. And what happened out of that? God built a faith-based nation that was unique to himself. Later on, as that group of people, that family grew into a whole nation, eventually they were in captivity in Egypt. And when they were coming out of captivity, they were heading back to the promised land that God had promised them in Canaan. And as they were doing so, they came to the place known as um, Jericho. And they had to cross the Jordan. And they had conquered a lot of armies along the way. And so Joshua sent in two spies. And they went into the city. And typically, you know, maybe a, a, a gal who it mentions here was a prostitute uh, would have a, a house sort of on the city wall, be visible a great way into the city. She went in, they talked to her, and she said, look, here's the deal. We've heard about you guys. We know what God's doing with you. And listen to what she says about the living God, which is pretty amazing. If I have my notes in the right place. Well, I don't know what happened to my notes. Oh, this is what happened. Okay. When we heard of it, speaking about, this is Hertz talking about when um, the people in the city heard of it, she said, our hearts melted in fear of everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and the earth below. She said, it's obvious to us all. And so she made a deal, and they said, listen, uh, you tell the the guards that we went in a different direction. We're going to take care of you and your family. And so when they invaded the place, she remained the same. But as the story goes, she married an Israelite. And eventually, she becomes, get this, the great, great grandmother of King David. And we find her name in the list of the lineage of Jesus Christ in the book of Matthew. You see, James is trying to bring their mind up to those who had great faith and potential and trust in God because those words, that faith has to be motivated in a relational form. Verse 24, I'll read it again. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. When he's talking about righteousness here, he's not talking about being pure or somehow receiving the righteousness of Christ. The word righteous meant that it was to be in right relationship with their community. Yes, there is a righteousness imputed by Christ, but in the terms that he's using here, he's talking about being in right relationship with his community. And so those around who can say, well, you're a believer, listen, if you say that, then you'll see that your works will allow others to see that you're righteous within your faith, within your community, okay? Now, Does that mean that a person's life needs to be perfect before they come to faith in the Lord? Absolutely not. No. 
None of us would make it in. Abraham wouldn't have made it in. Would Rahab make it in? I can see you're a very pious and righteous person. No, but she was righteous in her action because of the way that she behaved toward God and his people. You see that, that you, get the, you get the point there? That it should be active and alive and people can see it, okay? Listen, it means that there should be some type of visible sign of life, of the confession of the believer. It, whatever you're confessing, there should be some type of life there to see, right? All right, let's focus on the, the, the beautiful and more enjoyable part of the relationship. And that is Abraham was becoming a friend of God. Look at verse 23. And the scriptures were fulfilled that said, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see, a live faith, a live belief will be experienced in relationship with God. It will. A live faith will be in a relationship with God. That's just the way that it works. <clears throat> in John chapter 6, verse 23, 28, Jesus speaking they asked him and he, they said to him, what must I do to do the works that God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. To believe in Jesus. That, that's the works of God, to believe in, to trust in him, okay? Friendship with God is found in believing and trust in Jesus, period. Period. I don't know. In my family, I'm a hugger. You guys like to hug? This whole social distancing thing is sort of off, you know. My dearest friends, anybody who it is, I'd love to give them a hug. And now we're just doing kind of elbow bumps, foot bumps, a nod, or whatever you may have. But to believe in Jesus is the word pistuo. Uh, the word faith is pistis, but it means to adhere to and cling to intently. Adhere to and cling to intently. Okay? Listen. In this world that we're living in right now, there are a lot of trials that await all of us, Right? You're feeling it, aren't you? You're wondering what's going on. You're wondering, what, how's this going to pan out, God? How is this going to, how are you going to get us there? How is this going to happen? Because I'm telling you, I, I fluctuate from time to time. I do. There are times that I'm just really strong in faith. There are other times I've, I'm listening to podcasts like crazy and reading articles everywhere. And I'm like, okay, this is the end time. This is go right now. And we very well could be in that. We're never promised more than tomorrow. But I was reminded in a, my, one of my favorite authors has written a book recently about the pandemic and he was saying, you know what? This shouldn't catch the church off guard. It shouldn't. And he said, here's the reason why. 
It's because if you read our history and you read the history of the world, the world has gone through many revolutions of this type of thing. It's lived through them and it's suffered through them. And the church has lived through them. And the church has suffered through them. And we like to live, listen, I'm, I'm, one, of the, I'm, the, I'm one of the kings. I love comfort. Why do you think the air conditioning is on, here, working in here? The nights are, lights are nice. We have comfortable seats. You can fall asleep if you want to. Just sit in the back. That's all I ask. <laughs> no. But we don't understand the need for suffering. We think that there's no need in it. I, I don't, I, I don't want to find any need in suffering at all. I don't know about you guys, but I have been glued. I, I just found out about it. But this show called Alone. Have you seen that? Anybody watch that show? It's not a bad show. It's History Channel. But they take 10 people who are ready to they have no idea how much they're going to suffer. They take them out into the wilderness and they say, okay, here's just a few items. There's no food or anything. Good luck. The last person standing wins $500,000. And so everybody's gung-ho and they're telling stories about, yeah, you know, I poke the eyes out of a bear with my bare hands and I can kill a lion and I pull its teeth out and I'm ready for this. And then when they finally run out of food and they're just cold and they're alone and they're suffering, it is grim to watch. That's why I like watching it. I like watching other people suffer. <laughs> it's really good. But, you know, they, they show the before and after and then when they get there, they're all gung-ho and then afterwards they're just sort of just sad. But one of the themes that arises from all of this is they said, we never really valued the importance of suffering. We never really did until we went through this. And then we've come to realize that there, there's value in it. There's something good there. And so what about us? And what about Jesus? Surely he wouldn't allow us to go through any suffering. And we're not trying to call a curse on us or anything, please. But there has to be value in it. And so that means that the time that we're going through is important to God. If, if, if we experience suffering, if we experience trials, they're beautiful unto the Lord. And this could be the very time that he has planned for his church to shine. Being friends with Jesus means we believe who he is and who he says he is. We trust him with our lives. We honor him. We obey him. We follow him. We trust him when it's hard to trust him. And we love him. And we love his people. And we love others. And we work with him for his plan on the earth. I love what it says in that final verse of chapter one of James. I'll read it out of the message. Real religion, the kind that passes the muster before God the Father is this. Reach out to the homeless. Love the loveless in their plight and guard against corruption from the world. You see, a living faith is a faith that serves and works for the kingdom of God. 
God of heaven by his way and for his reason. And that's why we exist. You know, I was talking to a friend the other day. We were discussing what was going on. I was discussing all of the political intrigue all around the world. The medical pandemic, the economic outfall, what's it all going to be? And he said, you know what I'm praying for? I said, what? He said, I'm praying for revival. You see, God can do a work that we never imagined because we've never been here. And if we've never been here, how will we know what he will do? You and I have the opportunity to be people that will pray for a revival in this land. A revival that comes by the Spirit of God, through the Spirit of God, to the people of God, to the world. None of us know what that looked like in this environment, do we? But you know what we can do? We can all, in here, band together and pray and ask God for a revival in our land and see what he will do. Because you know what? That means every bit of this is worth it just to see that the Spirit of God break loose in our land. I hope you get excited about that. I want you to know, too, that I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I know that you're going through a lot of stuff. Everyone is. But know this. Know this. When you put your faith together with your action, that's it. That's when things move. And if you want to see things move in your life and in this world, put those two together. Father, I thank you for our time together. Thank you for your words of encouragement and rebuke. Thank you, Lord, that you are greater than all of this, Lord. And the last thing that we want is our faith to be dead. So we pray that, Lord, that our, 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 even if we're repenting and turning back to you and, and, and saying we're sorry for not uh, following you, I pray, Lord, that you wouldn't find us dead, but active, serving you, full of faith in the midst of trial. We ask this, Lord, and please protect this fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.